Thanks for listening to the Innovation Experts, a new global podcast brought to you by Farnell, Newark, and Element 14, where you can find out about the latest innovations in the world of electronics. Hello and welcome to our next interview from the Innovation Experts, a global podcast by Farnell, Newark, and Element 14. My name is Cliff Ortmeyer and I'm the Global Head of Technical Marketing, joining you from Chicago. Today we have Justin Sheard from Fluke, joining us from Minnesota. Justin is a Senior Engineer and Industrial Imaging Specialist with the Fluke Routine Maintenance Group. In this episode, we're going to find out how Fluke's disrupting the maintenance and repair space using handheld test equipment to test the latest innovations in sonic imaging technology. Welcome to the podcast, Justin. Thanks. Good to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, and uh, how you ended up at Fluke. Yeah, well, I have a physics degree and also a mechanical engineering degree, and I, I was able to get into new product design right away out of college. At first, it was these photoelectric sensors at a company called Banner. Uh, then a few years later, I, I started working for a company called Infrared Solutions, who designed and manufactured thermal imagers. Well, that company was a small company that Fluke saw potential in and had decided to purchase us in 2005. For most of my career then, I've been the lead mechanical engineer in charge of these thermal imagers and designing and manufacturing them. So Fluke has been a part of my life for uh, almost 20 years now, and every year we keep coming up with more new products, new thermal imaging, and I was fortunate enough to be in the middle of all of that from the time that we were purchased until now. Very cool. Got to say, I'm a little bit jealous. You know, I'm electrical engineer by trade, and I remember taking mechanical engineering in college, and I just it just didn't stick. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what forces there are. Just stick a brick underneath it, and it won't move. That that was kind of my solution to everything. So I I admire you, and I wish I had your knowledge, but it got me this far. So I guess I'll stick with it. So how has your position at Fluke, um, you know, evolved over the years with your degree and everything like that? How has things changed or what have you seen changing at Fluke? Yeah, I've seen a lot of change from the moment that Fluke was had purchased Infrared Solutions. We were a small company. I was the one mechanical engineer in charge of the manufacturing, the design, everything really from the conception of the product to production. And as thermal imaging grew, we grew as a group and we started developing products at a higher rate. The team grew and made a lot of money. So being a mechanical engineer, I guess one of the things that I've always noticed is that looking at handheld test equipment, how much different is it to develop something that's handheld versus say a benchtop? What are some of the considerations you have to take into account? Yeah, well, it's primarily about the customer and so how they will use the product is how we'll design it. Making it easier for the customer to do their job is kind of paramount. So in order to do that, we need to go watch them and get voice of customer. And Fluke's really good at doing that. Whether it's for a handheld tool or a benchtop, it's understanding their workflow. What do they need to do during the day? And we want to make that easier. When you think about handheld tools specifically, their workflow is maybe picking up that tool, pointing it somewhere, or getting it where it can take that measurement. So we want to make that interaction as easy as possible from the way that it's interacted with physically, also the graphical interface, whether it's going to be touchscreen. So we really take into account everything about 
how that person does their job. Even are they wearing gloves? Are they outside, inside? Will they be using it all day? All these things come into consideration when designing a product. And they then go into the requirements for the product, of course. I'm guessing ruggedness is probably one of those things that has to be accounted for. How do you guys have such a reputation for making such rugged equipment? I've got a fluke meter that's got to be 25 years old and one of my previous companies is probably still looking for it but uh, they'll never hear about it on this podcast. But I mean that thing's seen a lot of rough times and it's still you know it's going on like no tomorrow. How do you guys do that make things that are that rugged? (laughs) Well that is certainly what Fluke is known for is a rugged product. And I've heard a lot of stories about the meters being driven over, dropped from incredible distances. So that is something that we as design engineers want to carry forward. And I think it, when you think about how does an organization like Fluke keep that brand image of rugged going, well, it takes the entire organization over time to stay true to it. And Fluke standards then for the testing of the product are high, but it's not just that. It's going out and understanding, well, what kind of rugged do you want? Do you want it to be able to be dropped from a ladder or is it on your desktop most of the time? Is, what about vibration? What about water, dust, chemicals? So we really go back to that customer need and turn it into a product requirement, which is then actionable by engineering engineering then turns around and creates ideas and prototypes and so it's the commitment to that iteration and that innovation really to extreme ruggedness which is critical to meeting the rugged needs and so you got to do a lot of different things well you keep doing them things can be simulated these days but in the end there's really no substitute for a bunch of working prototypes and going and dropping them like from a ladder or from a bench and seeing how it fails. Right. And actually, I mean, of course, when we talk about fluke, my mind always goes to the the yellow meter. And that's what I think. As soon as I think fluke, I think, yeah, yellow meter. And it's kind of like the the staple. But realistically, you guys have a huge amount of a portfolio that, I mean, there's parts of it that I've never even seen before. How far does that portfolio extend? What are you guys into for people that aren't familiar with it? (laughs) Well, there's parts of that portfolio I have never seen too. It keeps growing and growing. Right. One of the products that we're now stocking and that I've seen and I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. I never even would have thought that Fluke would come out with something like this was acoustic imagers. And I was like, what is that used for? It seemed like something just I'd never imagined it from you guys before. Can you tell me anything about that? Because I was really interested to see that one and And it looked like it was really heavily geared towards manufacturing space and maintenance, which, again, not being strictly electrical, I thought that's kind of a novel idea. So can you give me any information on that one? Sure. That is really one of the most exciting products today is the acoustic imagers in what the II-900 and II-910 models. And this is a new technology. It's a new imaging technology, so to speak. You think of thermal imaging and what that did to manufacturing and to test and preventive maintenance 10 or 15 or 20 years ago even. Well, acoustic imaging is doing that now. And originally, Fluke saw this technology as a way to meet a need. Again, it's back to customer need, but it was a pain point that manufacturers had and really didn't have a good way of dealing with it. Compressed air 
leaks are a huge component across industry. Factories use them in many different ways. So it's a well-known problem that those leaks cost a lot of money. It's a lot of energy. So this technology was originally turned into an acoustic imager to be able to detect compressed air leaks. Now that's a well-known problem in the industry where the network of pipes and valves and regulators that's used to create this compressed air, which is used in manufacturing, it's used in all kinds of industries really around the world. When I think about compressed air and issues with finding leaks for compressed air, I mean, is that really a, a big problem? I mean, why is, why is having small compressed air leaks such a big deal? Does it really make that big of a difference financially? Yeah, it's a bigger problem than you might think at first. And it's a problem that people have kind of ignored in the industry because, well, there wasn't a good way to find and fix those leaks. So if you look at how big is the problem and what is the problem, well, about seven out of 10 companies use compressed air in their manufacturing processes. And a compressed air system in a typical factory goes really literally miles of pipes. And so any leak, there's so many possibilities for leaks around that factory, it adds up. Those leaks can be near pneumatic tools, air filters, dryers, lubricant, air separators, motors, control panels. It really touches so many areas of a factory or of a business. You look at healthcare and hospitals, well, they have compressed air and gases and things that affect their uptime and their ability to serve patients. So it's not just the factory, but it's compressed air and gases are used a lot of places. If you look at compressed air and the energy it takes to create that compressed air and that's used throughout the factory, well, it's a lot. It's tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars of energy every year. And the leaks can account for 25, 30% of that cost. That's straight from the Department of Energy. This is a well-known issue. But because there wasn't a good way to find all those leaks, and by good, I mean efficient. Go find those leaks, but you're going to have to put soap and water along that network of pipes and valves and regulators to find the leak. And it's incredibly tedious. I got to say that I can understand that strictly because I put a gas heater in my garage and just where the pipes are. For me to get up there and keep spraying the soapy water and looking for a bubble and going, is that a real bubble or is that just from the soap? And it's just so hard to tell. But I mean, I guess it's tried and true, but I got to imagine in a manufacturing facility, that's going to be just horribly tedious. So I have no idea how they used to do it, but I could see how this would definitely, definitely solve a lot of problems. But how do the acoustic imagers work? Yeah, that's a great question because we all want to know how our tools work. And it, it's really a set of microphones that listen for sound. Think of a video recorder, maybe your handheld Sony camera that you used to have, and you point that at something you want to see visually. Well, in this case, we're pointing a handheld device that has an LCD on the back and 64 microphones on the front, on the imaging head, we call it. Well, those 64 microphones are arranged in such a way that they are able to hear sound in a particular frequency. In this case, it's ultrasonic range. And because of the way the waves come into that front panel, well, we can crunch that data and see, is that sound coming from the right? Is it coming from the left or above us a little bit? The waves of that sound will hit one of those microphones slightly before the next one. 
In addition, we can take that sound and filter out the frequencies we don't want to look at and turn this into an image. Combine that with the visible image of a simple camera on the front of the device and you have a pretty useful tool that'll tell you, well, where is that? Where is sound coming from? It just happens that ultrasonic frequency sound comes from compressed air leaks. So compressed air, gases, vacuum leaks have a signature, so to speak, of sound that this device can detect and not only detect, but point out on a screen where it is. And think of how valuable that can be pointing the device over an entire network of piping and valves to pinpoint within a minute or two where a potential leak is coming from. It's just a complete game changer. I've seen people wowed beyond words and really happy and excited that they could purchase this tool and find their leaks so easily. And it's not just about finding the leaks for a cost and energy savings standpoint. We found that our customers are using it for different things, things that are much more important to them, like uptime. If they can find a leak on a valve or on a pneumatic robotic suction cup that maybe is not working quite right, well, they can fix that before it causes a problem or it causes quality issues. Think about Food and Bev. They have all kinds of gases going into not only their product, but the packaging. If they could take a scan of the area to make sure that there isn't a leak going on, either at the source or where it's being used at the packaging and the product level, well, that's a lot of value. You've talked a lot of different applications where these things are useful. And honestly, I'm kind of amazed that that's how it works because I thought, how do you pick out the noise from a leak versus like in a factory? You know, you're always going to have a lot of ambient noise, but you said the signature's quite a bit different from a leak versus just ambient noise. Is that right? Yeah, and that's a part of what wows people is it's so loud you can barely talk to the person next to you, and yet that sound is completely filtered out. And on the screen is a simple sort of hot spot, like a thermal imager, on top of maybe the joint that's leaking. And the background or overlay is the equipment. So you can go right to that spot. You don't just tag it with a physical tag, but you have a picture. And you can use that picture or video to send to your maintenance crew. It's incredibly helpful. And it's something that because of that and because of the way it works from a distance and non-contact, it can be used while the line is still running. So a lot of methods maybe to investigate the equipment from a leak standpoint or quality, you got to turn the equipment off. Well, you don't have to do that here. And the imager gives you just as good a results, even better because it's testing things when they're running. And I'd like to step back and talk about, well, what are the value props our customers are seeing? Well, they're in four different areas. One is the cost and energy savings I talked about. The other is uptime or uh, reducing downtime by noticing and fixing issues that could result in that. The third area is that product and equipment quality. But the fourth is safety, and I haven't really talked about that, but situations finding a gas leak can save a life. It can save catastrophic events or gas leaks in confined spaces gas leaks in food and beverage where there's CO2 or oxygen or other gases that can erode on the equipment and cause a potential issue. So there's really those four areas, savings, uptime, product quality, and safety. And some customers, one of those is a lot more valuable than the others. No, that makes sense. When you were talking about that, I was thinking about hospitals and all the gases that they have there and 
It's one of those tools that when you look at it and you think, oh, how did I ever live with this before it came about? So it's pretty novel. You've highlighted some actually pretty good examples in terms of what it's used for, but are there any other applications that you've seen it be used in or that you think it'd be useful for that people might not have thought about? Yeah, there's pressurized steam. So steam pipes, steam traps, being able to see the issues there, outdoor exhaust leaks. I talked about vacuum leaks a bit, but that can be, I've seen that in a refinery where there was a vacuum leak they couldn't detect over time, weeks, months. We just pointed the camera at that equipment and immediately found the spot and they fixed it. They found where that gasket was not working well. Aircraft, aircraft and automotive, there's a number of applications like the fuselage in aircraft, there's a lot of potential leaks there when they either when it comes back for servicing or even when it's designed and manufactured. So from a long distance, maybe from above the aircraft, you can get an indication of where that leak might be. Another one that I like to talk about is automotive. One manufacturer uses our product to test the airlines on trucks on the line. So at the end of the line, they test that with a quick look with the acoustic imager instead of many minutes or testing another way. Even tire leaks. So the tire manufacturers use our products in quality tests and on the production line. And conveyor systems. So conveyor systems are sometimes electric, they're sometimes pneumatic. In the case of pneumatic, we can test that or at least look for issues. In the case of electric or others, well, there's things like the bearings. The bearings create sound in, in the ultrasonic range. So you can see where a potential issue is, is starting to grow on your bearings and point that out exactly where it is to your maintenance team. So you're not actually using it only for leaks. I mean, the bearing was one that's obviously a, a noise that would be a really unique application or another application of this. Uh, when you were talking about automotive, I thought, you know, all the vacuum line leaks and stuff like that that you used to hear about. But I mean, I'm thinking, uh, you know, how many people have said, well, I hear a noise or squealing in my engine. I'm just wondering if something like this would be great. And I think the bearings piece would be a perfect one to identify what bearing is actually going bad. Yeah, and I think that's the next area to really target from an acoustic imaging standpoint in the industry. It's known that motors and bearings and mechanical aspects like that are the heart and soul of a factory, and maintaining those is expensive. So there's methods to do that now. You think of vibration analysis, thermal imaging, and other ways to understand the health of the equipment. Well, if we could create something acoustically that saw whether that bearing was about to fail, why it was failing, or the motors and the sounds that the motors create, if we could create a picture of that health, it'd be really valuable to our customers. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of use cases that this can be used for. This, I guess, range of products can be used for, and I think it's going to be pretty exciting to see where it goes any other products that you're not allowed to talk about that you could tell me about that are coming in the future, like say an acoustic plus a visual plus a temperature imager all in one or anything like that that you're not allowed to talk about? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not allowed to talk about it, but let's just dream a little bit. Combining those different elements of visualization, if that's useful to our customers, we'll create it. And we'll create it in a form that makes their workflow easier. So certainly I can see things like combining thermal and acoustic where it makes sense to see the health of a, an asset or to break down the problem better. 
we kind of are really targeting that preventative maintenance but many of our customers use it as a troubleshooting technique. So I mean troubleshooting, like there's an issue already, where is it? You can think of our tools in those different ways where can I prevent the problem and get ahead of it in terms of preventive maintenance and a preventive maintenance program? Well, we wanna help you there. And if there already are issues or something has sprung up, well then our tools can help you find and fix that. So anyway, we do that. To make them easier yep we'll do that and there's different imaging techniques i'd say outside of what we've already talked about imaging of of different types of energy well i look forward to hearing about those probably in a future podcast actually it's been this has been great i'm actually really excited about the potential for this because i mean we all know iot preventative maintenance it's all about sensing and this is just one more tool in the sensing arsenal that we may not have thought about and i think it's going to have huge implications going forward so i'm pretty excited by it and i'd like to have one just to find the leaks in my garage because before the before we started talking my compressor keeps going off and i have no idea where in all of my fittings and lines in my garage the leak is so maybe someday i can uh, hork one of those from you if we ever if we ever meet up (laughs) Sounds good. It sounds like your network of pipes is large enough to make a difference. It would find it pretty fast. Very cool. At the end of each uh, podcast, I'd like to do some questions just to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, So I hope you don't mind me throwing some crazy things out at you. The first one is, what's the craziest application you've seen one of your products, you know, used in? (laughs) Well, I'm sure the acoustic imager, like you said, is going to be used in many different ways. It's the tip of the iceberg on that, kind of like thermal imaging was 20 years ago. So I guess I'll I'll say I, I have seen thermal imagers used to detect ghosts. Of course, there's no basis for that, but they have said they've done it. And maybe one of the most fun applications that I see is things that get on TV or on movies. And the NASCAR races and Formula One racing pit crews often use our thermal imagers to check their tires or to check the engine or temperature anywhere that they can get a sense of how the car is running. So that's a fun one to see when ESPN has your product on. Well, to go even further outside of reality, in the Marvel Universe, I've seen Fluke tools used by Iron Man, for one, in his prototype lab. So it's really fun to see when the big screen has some Fluke yellow pop up. We noticed that right away. I noticed in Aquaman that the villain was designing his weapons using a fluke thermal imager so that's fun yeah i'm actually gonna have to look at that my daughter and i are huge marvel fans so now i'm gonna have to go look for that one hopefully you got some good product placement uh, coin out of that one so that's <laughs> that's pretty cool but actually leads directly to one question that i always want to know is who's your favorite superhero and why <laughs> well Flying would be on the top criteria. I gotta be fly. I mean, that's so cool. And I guess I could go with Iron Man. I mean, why wouldn't you want to fly and be nearly invincible, but be able to take that off, be a regular person, invent things, get to see the latest and greatest technology? That's like an engineer's dream. Yeah, something about billionaire, philanthropist, playboy, and he's got the ultimate workshop. You can do anything there. What about you? Any workshop projects or anything you're working on this weekend? Yeah, most of my projects these days are centered around my two boys. And so 
I guess if I could create an indoor outdoor athletic stadium that can convert into any sport that would work but can't do that so we just moved to a new home and some of the things that we've done are make like little secret passages. So I'm working on the top level to the basement, a way to, not everybody will know about it, but kind of jump in on a pole like a fireman and slide down to the next level, maybe into a little hideaway. They love it. We had a secret hideaway in the last home and it was only accessible behind their beds. So, you know, the projects are more like that right now, but as they grow, I'm sure we'll be building flying machines and rockets and all sorts of things. I think you definitely win in terms of the coolest project scenario. So look for your name on a plaque in future podcasts. It'll be virtual, but I'll put your name on the plaque anyhow. (laughs) Sounds good. I want to thank you today. It's really been fantastic learning about this, and especially the acoustic imaging, because that's, like I said, new to me and I think to a lot of the listeners. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to, to reach you? I think the best way would be through the Fluke website, going into acoustic imaging and sending a question, or through my email, justin.sheard at fluke.com. I'd be happy to talk to you about acoustic imaging, thermal imaging, or point you in the right direction. So, Justin, I want to thank you for uh, joining us on the Innovation Experts podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and I very much encourage our listeners to check out Justin and Fluke online to find out more of their specialist products and services. Until next time, thanks for listening. We'd like to hear what you have to say about how test and measurement equipment supports innovation in your industry. So please get in touch with us at technology at farnell.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'll see you all for another interview on the Innovation Experts very soon. Until then, thanks for listening.